0: with We Shall Overcome. Not our normal uh, opening song, but a beautiful one nonetheless. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Welcome to Shadow Politics, an hour-long grassroots talk show, which will attempt to shine a light on the issues that you care about. I'm your host, United States Senator Michael D. Brown, coming to you live from the District of Columbia, America's last colony. I'm joined by my co-host, Marilia Duffels, And we hope together our show will start a dialogue with America about the issues that are important to all of us and affect all our lives. So feel free to call in and be part of the conversation at 888-627-6008. Tonight we have a great guest. But first let me introduce my uh, co-host, my brilliant co-host, Marilia Duffels. Marilia, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you? And how are you, Rock? Nice
0: to meet you this
2: week.
0: I'm fantastic. Well, we're well, we're so pre- happy to have you with us tonight, Rock Newman. Uh, Rock Newman uh, is um, our guest tonight, and he's an amazing guy um, who uh, was a legendary boxing promoter, and he is the producer of the one and only Dick Gregory, a movie that I saw, which was great. Uh, elite Use. And the Legendary Knights. He's a graduate of Harvard University, and executive producer of the way cool Rock Newman Show. And we're glad to have him with us tonight to talk about everything D.C. and what he's doing. And let's start uh, by talking about WEAC Radio, Rock, because this is going to be our first show on, on WEAC Radio. We've just been picked up by WEAC and and it's one of the reasons that we so wanted to have you on, on the first show, because uh, as I told you off the air, I went to their tenth anniversary party on Thursday, and everybody was talking about Rock Newman. What a great guy you are! So thanks so much for being with us. And uh, well, um, let
2: me let let, let, let let me say, you know, thank you guys, you and your team, for for inviting me. Um, I as I speaking of talking off the air, as I told you, I really looked. Forward to doing this one uh, because of uh, you and your your co-host, or I, I should say, not necessarily in any order, but you and your co-host, who I have much respect for, and the fact that you're doing your ma- you're having your maiden voyage here <coughs> on we <coughs> we act radio, where I um, reintroduced myself, if you will, to Washington D.C. on February the twenty third. 2013 with my, uh, with the rock Newman, uh, talk show, uh, mm-hmm. it was Saturday morning. We did three hours and you know, I can tell you, this is a, this is a, you right now are starting at a wonderful place. It's the station that I referred to as the little train that could, it's the little train. It's got a big issue engine and it makes big impact. And thank God, man, that you guys were able to to, to get married uh, because, you know, what you uh, bring to the table with your activism and involvement and what Marilas does, it absolutely, in my estimation, it very much fits with Act Radio. And I see that as, as a great marriage and, you know, just I'm rooting for you to keep making the impact uh, that I know you'll make.
0: Well, thanks, and I got to tell you, unfortunately, Marilia was was like you. Marilia was stuck in Wyoming. Correct me if I'm wrong, Marilia, but <laughs> but uh, the the like I haven't heard that excuse before. You know, uh, <laughs> I can't go out with you. I'm stuck in Wyoming. But but anyway, uh, uh, it was such a warm place, uh, Rock. I can't tell you. I felt like it's. It, I just felt at home there. I first of all there were 20 people that showed up at the party that I knew. And I just, you know, yeah. I'm like, this, this is where we should have been all along. Hey, can we talk about Dick Gregory? Because we, sure, we, we love sure him, we love him say, on I'm this so show. I'm
1: sorry I missed the party. I was so looking forward to meeting you, Rock. You are And A person to be admired, and I'm I'm just in awe of what you've accomplished and what you've done over the years, and I know we'll get to talking about it, I'm sure, but the steps that you took to sort of, um, not divorce yourself, but for lack of a better word, from the boxing world, and I'm just in great admiration. It it, it
2: was a divorce. It's okay to use that word. It was a divorce. Okay.
0: (laughs) And let's start there. Rock, my dad, growing up, my dad had a buddy. Who was a boxing promoter in Washington D.C. His name was Nat Kane. I don't know if you, you remember Nat Kane. He owned a bar absolutely. called
2: Little- Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I do,
0: absolutely, yeah. I do. Yeah, he he owned a bar called Little Bit of Ireland, and and uh, okay. so I so I knew a bunch of boxers uh, growing up, and uh, uh, not not something I ever. Not something I ever wanted to do because I saw it was a hard life for these people. So, so why yeah. did you, well, you know, let's start there since we really uh, brought it up. W- what is it about, you know, why did you leave the boxing profession?
2: As a well, you know, I had always said, I'm gonna, it's a two-part answer, I think. I had always said that when uh, the guy that I was representing, uh, Riddick Bowe, uh, who yeah. became the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, that when yeah. he retired, that I would retire. I never saw myself as a as a boxing guy, if you will. I was never a part of the boxing fraternity. Uh, they had a lot of disdain for me and some of the independent stands that I took. And frankly, I wore their disdain. As a badge of honor, I never wanted to emulate anybody, you know, that was that was in that business. So I saw myself more as a business person who had fallen in love with, you know, the fighter. I, I, and I've been accused of, hey, you know, you fall in love with your fighters. And, you know, so I knew that uh, for the most part, Riddick Bowe would be my last, uh, would be the last thing that I would do. And so when he retired, it just was a natural progression for me um, to to step off. Now I flirted with a couple of things afterwards. One of them I'm really proud of, and that was we brought the Mike Tyson fight uh, to Washington D.C. in uh, in 2005 and had almost a sold out uh, arena there, and um, did a lot better. Than a lot of people thought, you know, that Tyson fight would do when he uh, when he sort of lost his last fight. Well, okay, so so then through the years, I've looked back and I've felt like I'm not necessarily proud of the fact that I'm sitting there and screaming my head off and you know rooting for my fighter to tear the other guy's head off. There's just something that I guess maybe as I matured, as I've gotten older, that that really didn't fit that well with me. And then and then one, um, one evening, I'm just kind of flipping around the dial, and I see these two uh, Hispanic fighters are fighting, and both of them are big punchers, and neither one of them had much defense at all. That's a prescription for disaster. They were yeah. fighting maybe a they were fighting maybe a six round fight. Probably at the most was getting seven hundred fifty a thousand dollars each. And at the yeah. end of the fight, their faces were a bloody mess, and just just like I mean, like a grinder had gone through both of them. Mm. And I made a decision at that point. I'm stepping off. I'm not paying for any more fight. I'm not going to contribute to any pay-per-view. I'm not going to sit in judgment of others who continue to enjoy it, love it as they will. It's just no longer for me. And I've not been, I have not been to a fight now in years. And I've not, you know, paid for any kind of fight. And I the more the more I age, I just wish it wasn't a way that some people felt was the only way for them to make money. Because there's yeah. so much negative that comes out of it in terms of brain injuries and yes. the rest that I just don't like it anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, just listen. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt Marilia, but just okay. all you have to do is listen to Muhammad Ali talk, you know, yeah, oh, I've at the end of his life, as brilliant a man as he was. So go ahead, Marilia, I'm sorry, absolutely. I didn't
1: mean to cut you off. I was No, no worries. I was just going to say, um, Rock, I think you said it beautifully. I read your words. Um, I don't know that you said it verbally. I'm sure you did at some point, but you said there's a certain barbaric savagery that I can't allow myself to be, a, to be a supporter of ever again. And I think that's just so beautifully put. And you also um, mentioned that, you know, the whole boxing thing is about hitting someone so hard on the chin that it short-circuits the brain. Um, so I think that that's, that's fabulous that you saw that. That's fabulous that you called it out. Um, but you also said, which I found very interesting, and I think I in growing up I used to see that, Um, In high school and in junior high, I believe, but he said it was a great discipline um, for young kids, which, as I said, I saw and it used to be, um, which is the point I'm making. So what changed? Why isn't it that anymore? And not that I'm for short circuiting the brain or or the barbaric savages, savagery, as you so well put it. But what changed? And why was it such good discipline? And-
2: well, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I will say mm-hmm. what changed was really me. And yeah. mm-hmm. my observation and, and, and assessment of it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, the, the, the senators are obviously, you know, very active. And he mm-hmm. tries to right wrong. He, he tries to right wrongs of society. And one Absolutely. of the things that he he fights for and tries to right is, you know, uh, racism that exists. So I look at racism and it's like, okay, you know, man, what can we do to better society to eliminate racism? I look at two people in the ring. Unmistakably, the idea is to hit each other, as, you know, you said I was quoted as, hit each other that it short-circuits the brain. There's a certain barbarism to that that mm-hmm. I would like our society to evolve out of that we, that's, that's, that's appealing to our, I think, lower humanity. And across yes. the board, you know, I, Lord knows. The, the, I'm not trying to be anybody's Mother Teresa here, but across the board, if you just if you just take boxing, MMA, and all for its worth, you know the idea is I'm going to come in and I'm going to knock you out. I am going to hurt you, and I just wish that we would find a way to eliminate that from our society frankly speaking
1: yeah to evolve out of i would like society to evolve out of that that is beautiful and i think it's, it's it's sad to say and it's a sad commentary on i would what would i imagine is just the the monetary underpinning of this whole sport and many other things in life of course is always money and so yeah. how do we get around that how do we, we evolve it's the 21st century you know we're not cro magnon yeah. men or Neanderthal men anymore Why are yeah. we still here
0: Well you know yeah. what Marilia I, and, and Rock I think you're seeing That with my My kids for example Like when did, did, this may sound strange To you Marilia coming from Brazil But when mm-hmm. I was a kid Soccer didn't exist as far as we Knew it you know oh, right, it just right. wasn't A sport it just wasn't a sport In America and now it's yeah, Over right it's overtaken with children i mean my kids started playing soccer when they were 3 years old and i think that's one of the things that attracts parents to and, and to that sport is that it's not like football it's not even like basketball people aren't hitting each other you know mm. they're 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 attacking a ball instead of attacking each other so maybe maybe the popularity of sports like soccer means that that we in this country anyway means that we are kind of Maturing out of it, I hope Excellent that's the okay. uh, case. Let's talk about Dick Gregory for a minute, if you don't mind. Dick Gregory's a guy that that came to my all-white little suburban college when I was in college, and and made us laugh so hard that we couldn't breathe. And then and then when he left, we all started thinking about the things he said, and and wasn't that his amazing talent that rocked that he was able to use. His comedy to make us think, right? You
2: know, Greg. Uh, Greg had a had, had a had a certain and specific genius. Yeah, that did. indeed could could do that. I never saw him in a situation. And we've been in, you know, I've known Greg for many, many years, 50 50 years, and have been with him in many different situations. And I've never been in a situation where he wasn't able to read the crowd perfectly and introduce a cross between a deep subject matter and a side-splitting and side-splitting humor where indeed as you just said oftentimes it might be you might not have got it when he first said or when he dropped the morsels of knowledge that he would drop laced with his incredible uh, sense of humor uh, but a couple of days later you would think and Long before uh, 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 Arsenio Hall came up with uh, that uh, phrase that says, things that make you go, hmm, Dick Gregory was doing that 40 40 years earlier. And he came along in a time of such overt racism and oppression that it took his keen wit To be able to go into places where, you know, heretofore blacks had not been able to go and to be able to communicate to an all-white, redneck audience, to be able to communicate to them in a way where they enjoyed themselves. Now, he would be calling out some of their frailties of their society, some of the very issues, but they were, you know, side-splitting in their laughter. And so th- that took an, a unique talent, and that is why, I mean, it, is, it would not be fa- uh, uh, unfair at all to call Dick Gregory truly one of America's originals. I mean, he stepped forward and paved the way for others with a sense of commitment, with a sense of courage, with a sense of dignity that says, no, Jack Parr, I'm not coming on the Tonight Show and not be able to sit on the couch like your other guests do. I don't care Mm. what that means. I know that being on your show is going to take me from being a $1,500 night comic to a $50,000 night comic, but I will not do it. If, I, if I'm not treated with the same dignity that you treat others, I'm not going to be a second. I'm not going to allow you to treat me like a second-class citizen. Treat me as a first-class citizen, and I'll come on. And they eventually relented. And that, op- that opened the door for so many to come afterwards. So, man, we should, we, oh, my God, I, I just can't say enough about his greatness about his compassion, about his courage, about his vision, and and most of all, his incredibly deep reservoir of humanity for all people, for all people. He was an amazing
0: guy, and, and I didn't know him very well, but he was very kind to me. And and we did an event for him on his birthday, the first birthday after his passing. They did a show at the arena stage, and we bought a hundred uh, orchestra tickets, and we threw a birthday party with along with uh, Christopher and Ayana and his children. Uh, Christopher yeah. has been on the show. Ife Williams, yeah. Keith Silver, you all these people that knew him. He was a wonderful. And generous guy, but I want to hit on one thing that you said about his ability to read the audience. Mm. We've just had this uh, problem with uh, Dave Chappelle, where Dave Chappelle made some comments about uh, gay and transgender people, and now they're talking at Duke Ellington, which is the school he attended, and they were gonna name the auditorium after him, about withdrawing that because of the things he said. Is that because we have the internet now and you can't read your audience? You know what I mean? Your audience ends up being everybody, right? Whether you whether you you choose it to be or not. And 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 then we get to dissect everything you say and put it under a microscope. Is that what what do you think about this thing with with Dave Chappelle, isn't isn't comedy like like uh, Dick Gregory's and and you know and Lenny Bruce and you know people like that? Isn't it supposed to be cutting edge? Isn't it supposed to offend us to a certain extent?
2: This this is indeed a different day with all of the ways that people have access to what people do, and what people say. I would just so strongly advise against behavior, commentary, activity that attempts to censor authenticity. You know, Mm -hmm. and Chappelle, at his core, is very authentic. He, like every one of us that are blessed to wake up in the morning, is far from perfect. But man, he's an incredible, incredible talent who really is extraordinarily authentic. Now, comedians by and large, they they point out things amongst us and about us that mm-hmm. we may not like but that is really? their uh, to me that is their job that, that that is their job and that is a special talent that they have and you know i am really not well versed in exactly what this most recent Flare up is about.
0: Yeah, me. Either.
2: I think no. that, I think that he has been authentic. He said, Hey, I said what I said. I stand by he made some observations that offended some people. Now, now, Lord knows I would support their right to register their complaint, their disgust, or whatever. Again, man, I, I very much would like to see us be able to get to a place where we can have disagreement without being so disagreeable. You know, yes. um th- th- I think for quite some time, and, and I've got to go here, uh, uh, Senator. Uh, it's a field that you're in. Is that you know for for quite quite some time? When at the advent of the of of the Tea Party, if you will, that there that there is a sense of if you don't agree with my position, you're the enemy. Yeah, and 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 <laughs> and, and Lord knows Donald Trump coming into office. I mean, he put a seal of approval on that kind of thinking. That I truly believe ushered in just some terrible sentiments and made it that a lack of civility, a lack of human decency, a lack of caring for one another became their brand. And so many people are glomming onto that, are attaching themselves to that. So anytime that there is a... anytime that there is a debate, anytime that someone says something that someone else doesn't like, there has to be a fight that wants to hit you on your chin and short-circuit your life, (laughs) short-circuit your career. I take it back to boxing, you know, and I just, I don't know, again, from my place here, man, I I just appeal for us to be uh, a, a, a more a more humane society. And and, oh, and, and and I applaud once again, I applaud the kind of show that I know you guys are doing, and I applaud We Act Radio for giving the kind of platform to make a difference in the community. Yeah. I remember the first day I met Timon Freeman. He said, You want to make money or you want to make you know, you want to make a difference? <laughs> and, and I said both. <laughs> he said let's talk let's talk <laughs> well, that's the nice thing
0: about politics is you can do that and and, and yeah. you know uh the 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 point of this show to begin with was I had a republican co-host now I have a co-host who who was a who, a woman who was uh a Republican for many years and is now an independent because we want to show that you can you can have a different Opinion and a different view of things, but you can still, um, you know, you can still be civil with each other and agree. And so, let me let my amazing co-host ask something. I've known Marilia for I don't want to tell you how many years because uh, that'll give away how how <laughs> yeah, how how, how ancient I am. But <laughs> yeah. she's an amazing person. And she has, a, 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 I'm sure she has a different perspective than mine on a lot of things. But, you know, I have a deep, deep respect for her. And I think that's what it's all about. It's all about just respecting the other person, Absolutely. whether they agree with you or not. But go ahead. Now that I respect you, let me actually let you say something. Go ahead, <laughs>
1: And I respect you. And I admire you, Mike. And I know I think you know that. So it goes both ways. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to say to your point, Rock, um, very always well articulated and well made um, about getting back to Chappelle and the ability to joke about other people's whatever it is, um, assets or shortcomings. Um, And let me tell you that I would hope that this would be the case in our culture. And having grown up in Brazil, I am here to tell you that that is what Brazilian culture was. I can't speak for it now because things are changing. And indeed, it's very much the Bolsonaro administration is very much influenced by the Trump uh, ideology, the Trump people. In fact, he's called the Tropical Trump. But um, the Brazilian culture, Brazilian society is one that actually thrives on joking about each other. And you express your love, your affection, your admiration for your family, for members of your family or for your friends or even perfect strangers in sort of joking. It's this jocular um, sort of assessment of each other's. Assets are shortcomings, and if you don't do it, you, you, you don't care about the person, and, and it, is, it is entrenched in the culture where you just kind of tease each other, make jokes about each other, and it's a two-way banter, and it brings so much laughter and, and joy. Laughter brings joy. Laughter is, is good, good medicine for the soul. And that's the way Brazilian culture is, and nobody takes offense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's the way. I mean, me too. I mean, really, I was raised in a family like that. You know, yes. my father used to say things to me like, "You got a face only your mother could love," you know, and <laughs> right, and and right, and they would say things to, they would they would say things like that to you. Or my, I remember my brother. My brother was a great athlete, and I I I was the worst kid on my little league team, and I would say to him. He would say things to me like, "If Mom ever sells the station wagon, because we had a big station wagon, they said she would say they'll cut you from the team. The only, the only reason you're on the team is because you can take nine kids to the game, you know. So, and we didn't worry about that. It wasn't right. You know, it, it no wasn't, sense, right? Have we become so sensitive rock that we can't say anything about? About anybody, you know. I mean, and and why is that? You know, look at Archie Bunker. Could you have had All in the Family? Could you have had that show today? You think?
2: Yeah, yeah that that that's a uh, that, that that's a good that's a good question. Um, uh, that that particular show, um, you know, I think it was groundbreaking in its approach to trying to uh, address some of the issues uh, that are in society today. Um, I think that there is an overall overarching uh, hypersensitivity uh, that we're prone more to take things personally and to be more easily offended Then, then, then time passed, and you know whether or not that is the, you know how how small the world has become through technology. I I don't know. I don't know the answer. I mean, I swear it, man. You're gonna have to get somebody on that that, that's probably above my pay grade to deal with that (laughs) psychology. I just Mm. know that you know to have to walk around and walk on eggshells when you're trying to communicate as As morose was saying, you know as, as they did in her in her home in a, in a jocular manner, uh, that you know offense is so easily and quickly taken um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why it, I don't know why it is I don't know why that is the case today, but i definitely I, I certainly see and hear and feel uh what you all are communicating about that.
0: Well, let
1: me ask. Go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. Go ahead. No,
1: it, just, it just seems to me that a lot of it, too, is what people are just like lemmings. They're just gullible and they're just taking what, you know, some higher power in society, whether it's the media or, or whatever it is, politicians are prescribing. You know, here, you're supposed to feel offended when this is said. Right. So be offended. And and people jump well, on that for some reason. It's almost not you know, authentic.
2: Yeah, I, i, I you know, I'm, I, I'm going to just simply give my personal opinion here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that the fact that someone so ill-equipped, so ill-tempered, so intellectually inferior mm-hmm. as a Donald Trump and many of the Republican people that profess what they do today, the fact that they are in office means each time they win an election, that means because somebody, more people voted for them than voted for the other side. I think, that that is a damning damning analysis of our educational system in this country and what it has been has has been allowed to become you know there is the there is the adage there is the saying that a population gets the government that it deserves mm. and so many of those, and and, and, and and you know, I I don't I I don't like to I don't think I don't like to be an idol or, uh, idol, or. but in the uh, in the observation of half of our leadership in government now, perpetrating the myth, the lie, the BS. That Donald Trump won the last election, and you've got a large percentage of people buying into that bullshit. It is Mm -hmm. a damning indictment of our educational system where folks are not taught to think for themselves, to have independent thought and, and analysis. And so, you know, that's one of the places where I where I would start to talk about how do we dramatically, dramatically improve our educational system K through K through twelve and well beyond into college, man. Um so yes. I mean because in, in 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 my in my way of thinking. I can't find an I, <clears throat> I can't find a legitimate argument for that because you know our educational system is supposed to teach and to yield smart people and you know for smart people to support to support a somebody like a, a, a what's that got a co-star. Who just did the video yeah, of, uh, uh, of him killing uh, AOC. or oh, that, yeah. that, that nut from Texas, yeah. Gomer, uh, what, what's his name? Um, Gomer,
0: he's the dumbest man in Congress. Yeah,
2: Gomer, Go man, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's really, it's yeah. really, it's really great, crazy. And I think textbook 101 indictment of our educational system. hmm
0: Yeah, and and Congress has become mean, right? It's never been. Mark Twain, I think Mark Twain gave the best analysis of Congress. He used to call it the home for the criminally inept. But, you know, (laughs) they've gone from that to being mean as well. I've got to ask you this question. I was raised a Catholic, and I I know that that Marilia was too. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure she was. Uh, And on behalf of my mother, and I assume... Marilius, too, I have to ask you, what was it like to meet the Pope?
1: That's a really <laughs> good question that I wanted to
0: know. Yeah, what was that like? It would be. That's all I'd have to do, Rock. If I met the Pope, I wouldn't have had to do anything else in my life to make my
2: grandmother happy. I would have been
0: her let, favorite.
2: Let, let, let me tell you, I had had a vision for quite some time. When I even when I was working with Michael Spinks and Butch Lewis, that to for the image of boxing and for the image of boxers, I thought that an opportunity to interact with the Pope to get photographs, you know, taken with him, the, you know the heavyweight champion, you know, thought sort of as the baddest man on the planet. The Pope is a symbol; is a symbol. Of uh, you know, peace and righteousness. Now we can we can we can debate that, but because the Catholic sure. Church has had a lot of problems, I too grew up Catholic. I was an altar boy, and oh, one right. of the things that I said, one of the things that I said to the Pope uh, when I met him was that I had I had been an altar boy. I was no longer then or now a practicing Catholic, um, mm-hmm. but um, you know you saw sort of the magnitude, you know, we were there, we were there at the Vatican, you know, when he was, when he was conducting mass. And I'll tell you, as big as that moment was, what really I was feeling was that I had a pair of rosary and I was going to ask him to bless the rosary for my mother. My mother is a lifelong Catholic. You know, there's times, multiple times a week, you know, she would, she would go go to church. And um, so I wanted to present her with that, with those rosary beads that were blessed by the Pope. And I can tell you, uh, she's, She's been proud of things that I have done. But I can tell you the picture that I took with the Pope, those those rosary beads, they were front and center. They were front and center in the living room and in the, in the little house that we grew up in once I gave her those things, man. I think that finally I had arrived. You know, I'd done a few other things, mm-hmm. but meeting the Pope, In her eyes was one of my, uh, you know, one of my, one, one, one one of the great things that she was just unbelievably uh, uh, proud of, and um, you know, I'll tell a a quick, quick, a quick little, a a quick little funny story. So the Pope was doing, you know, he's doing the mass, and 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 he did a part of the homily. He did it in thirteen different languages, and if you close your eyes you would have thought there was a Japanese person speaking. You would have thought it was an African speaking Swahili. You would have thought it was a, a a Frenchman speaking. And so he did it in 13 different languages. And we had a couple of young guys with us. Uh, 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 One is a a local there in the DC area. now I got to give them a plug. Uh, 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 Bernard Brooks, the owner of uh, Henry's soul food cafe. Well, uh, Bernie was probably I don't know maybe 22 at the time, and he and his friend, um, you know, they were ladies men. And so, at the end of the church service, when we were back in the limo, they said, "Man, the Pope just did that in 13 different language languages." If the Pope wasn't a Pope, he'd sure be a serious international player. <laughs> so that was that's that's what they took. That's what they took away. But uh, you know, it was a it was a great experience. It had come on the heels of uh meeting and, and, and spending three days with with Nelson Mandela. And I was gonna um, ask about that. Yeah, that was that was tra- that was life transforming for me. Um, you know, you'd always heard about I'd always heard about, you know, somebody walk in the room and the room fills up. And oh, yeah. I didn't get it. I, I frankly didn't get it. It, 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 I never saw it. I never felt it. Man, we were sitting in we, – we were at Nelson Mandela's house, and he came over. He came and came into the living room where we were, and, yes, the room, all the oxygen, it, it, it took up. It's just he, – he. he's someone that I think, um, you know, when you talk about being a saint, when you talk about being a statesman mm-hmm. – that he's all of those he, he, was, he was all of those things and and more, and one of the people that you know I certainly most admire in my life
1: he is archpope to me
0: well, and you know it's good, it's good to find out uh rock that uh, um, the reason that I was never a player is because I'm monolingual. I always wondered why, was, you know. You got to be I, like Pope, I, I, man. Yeah, I, if I just studied more languages, you know, it, it would have it, it gone better for me. But uh, yeah. let me ask you something that's that really important to me, and that is you bought back three 3,000 guns. Uh, D.C. murder mur, murder rate is up 25%. Uh, you and Marilia and I, actually, all three of us grew up in the Washington area, and we probably remember during the crack epidemic that it, we got up to 800 murders in a year. But, it, you know, we're not nowhere near that today. But we still have kids killing each other mm-hmm. over their tennis shoes. You know, I grew up in a bad neighborhood, Rock in North New Jersey, when I was a kid. But the kids didn't kill each other. What, what? Any explanation of what's going on today is, you know, is is it about respect? Is it, you know, is it about the pandemic? You know, why are kids shooting each other?
2: There's a there 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 there, there is a continuing breakdown of American society now. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, back then there were eight hundred. So it's not hardly like it just started now. But there, yeah. there is a there, there is a breakdown. I remember, I remember giving a, a speech at the boys' facility, over in uh, blue uh, in Blue Plains, where you got kids in there, you know, jailed really. As young as 18 years old, and I think on that night that I gave that speech, they ran from like 18 to maybe 16 years old, and I pride myself on being able to connect with an audience, whatever audience it is I might be uh, I might be uh, speaking to. And um, guys, what I felt that night did something to me that rarely ever happens. I rarely get depressed. I walked out of there that night, absolutely depressed because I didn't see any hope. I didn't feel any hope. These were kids whose eyes were blank, man. I, Mm. I did. I failed. I failed no matter how profound, funny, whatever it was I tried to be. I totally failed to connect to them where, you know, I'm used to, you know, having a conversation or presenting before a group of folks and somewhere at the end, you know, people are feeling inspired and motivated. And it was, abjectly absent there. Now, for those kids to be so hopeless, it doesn't take a great leap to feel. If you feel you don't have any hope, your behavior Mm -hmm. will be Mm antisocial. Your behavior will be self-destructive because you ain't got nothing to live for. Right. and again- and, and again now that to me that's gotta be attacked from from every single level you know again it's it's about- it's a responsibility start at home, but god damn it, when you're having fourteen and fifteen year olds that are popping out babies, you yeah. know mm-hmm. it's gonna be hard for them to teach responsibility because they don't know responsibility. And that's an issue of, that becomes a very much an issue of priorities of this government that ignores the devastating damage of poverty and not really an embrace of the things that could change and to help bring people out of poverty. So, you know, I mean, man, we could go on, we could really go on all night about that, but, you know, I know you got a lot of other stuff you want to talk about also.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I remember very distinctly studying the work Inferno by uh, uh, Dante, uh, and Dante writes above the Gates of Hell Let all that enter here give up all hope. And, you know, I remember the professor saying the reason he did that is because he couldn't think of anything more horrible for the human condition than not to have hope. So, you know, he thought that was singly the most horrible thing you could say to somebody is there is no hope. So I think he hit the nail right on the head.
1: And I Um, think what goes hand in hand with that, too, for these poor kids is um, lack of self-esteem, basically a lack of self-like. Yeah, they don't like themselves. And that's why they do also engage in this antisocial behavior. And it has huge origins that go back hundreds of years. And I think you and I know what those origins are. Yeah. And, you know,
0: and. And and that's it. I grew up in a family that was dysfunctional in many ways, uh, uh, and we were poor. But my my parents and the people around me liked me. I mean, that's, that's, yes. that's absolutely the truth. And I've grown up and I've seen people who weren't liked and what that's done in their life. But I think you're absolutely right. They always taught me. That no matter what the circumstances of my life were, I was a decent person and that I was worthy of being loved and respected. Um, you know, um, but of course, they never told me I should speak 14 languages. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I hold that against my dad. But uh, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, I just hate to see. I just hate to see this because, like I say, in nork, nork was a bad city, but kids didn't kill each other. You know, there, there were many, there were many other problems. Well, Rock, what we're almost running out of time here. What is? Is there anything you want to say that we haven't asked you? Anything you want to mention now that we got you? Uh, know, man,
2: I, 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 I will tell you. Uh, you know, I'm pretty active on Facebook. You know, I had the TV show. Um, uh, so you know, I've stayed pretty active on Facebook, and it's something that I have a number of times. And we we touched on you know tonight here, you know, sort of uh, uh, sort of the, the the denigration, the how our educational system is is so failing us. And I have a little bit of a crusade about, I think in large part, next to the influence of a good mother, and I'm going to say good mother, yeah, and yeah. a good father, that teachers are our most valuable human asset. And I believe that a teacher's salary now I'm giving I'm putting out a number that there's not any particular magic to it, but it's I I, I want people to think about it that if teachers, good teachers, you got to pass certain tests and you got to prove yourself, teachers should be paid a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars a year. Amen. And folks, folks instantly start talking about oh well how are you going to pay for that and all that and I'm going to say this, if you get a good teacher in a classroom of 22 kids or however many it might be. And that good teacher is bringing quality education to students. And these students are absorbing it. You're gonna have students who are more productive, who are less violent, less likely to do antisocial things. And if you do that, that cuts down on What other resources that you might have to use, like police, like prosecutors, like the courts and all of that. And you know what? It goes on and on and on that that if someone is coming in and saying, "Okay, I can compete with some of these other industries in in terms of being able to take care of myself, you would Mm -hmm. get a higher quality of instructor who would make a difference in the classroom, in the school, in the community, in the region, and in the country. And you know, so I you I, I wanna I wanna get that in, because I just have a such a, a strong passion about that.
0: Well let me tell you something, Rock Newman. Mrs. Brown, who is the librarian at a high school, <laughs> just became your number one fan. Uh, she, she, you know uh, She would agree with you 100% uh, I can't tell you Rock how much we appreciate you being On the show Marilia Is there what, anything you want to add
1: I was just going to add one more Thing to what you said which I absolutely Agree with and that is you ask how, how People ask how are we going to pay these teachers Well having worked in government and Politics I'm here to say there is Enough uh, there is enough fraud Waste and abuse in government To pay teacher salaries at the level you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Namaste. Hallelujah. Amen. Hello. And let's, leave, yes. and let's
0: leave our discussion there. What a great place to end it. And let me tell you, we always end our show with a song. Generally, we we, we dedicate this to our guests. And, and when it comes to Rock Newman, there were so many cool songs, you know, so many, <laughs> you know, Rock of Ages, Let, let Us Rock <laughs> You, Rock... But I'm going with the classic, and I hope uh, you like this one, Rock. It's from vv King. Here's Rock Me Baby, and we'll talk <laughs> to you next week. And thank you, Rock
1: Newman. <laughs> thank you,
2: guys, so much. It's been a pleasure company. to thank be with you. Thank
1: you, Rock. Doing it's been doing. wonderful.
2: All right. God bless you. Right.
1: See you. Thank God bless you.